Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. So turn with me to uh, 3 John. We're going to start pick up where we were this morning, and a couple things we'll um, uh, just recap. If you weren't here this morning, uh, you have to go and listen to it. Steve already put the audio message online, and the YouTube sermon should be up by now, so um, you can go and listen to it again. I tell you, these truths are exciting. Yeah. And you say, I'm not too excited about it. Well, sometimes you've got to get yourself excited. Sometimes you've got to stir up your exciter, you know, because you, you want it to work in your life, amen? You know, one of the, one of the, one of the uh, uh, dangers of being in a church where you've been taught really well is to grow kind of callous to some things and a little indifferent to things. And, uh, and that's the result of not putting things into practice. I can tell you in my own life, things that have become dull to me is because I've not been doing it. But if you'll get excited about it again, remember the first time you heard the fact that God wants you to be blessed? If you came out of a denomination or, 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 or a lifestyle or something where you didn't realize, you thought you didn't know that was the case, and you've realized that God wants me blessed, passionately wants me blessed, that'll revolutionize your life. Well, let's maintain that same joy. Let's maintain that same excitement and keep chasing after it. Just because you experience a little blessing doesn't mean there's not more for you. Amen. Things that God wants to do in your life. Well, here in third John verse one or or verse two of of, uh, the first and only chapter says, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Amen. So the title of the message is money matters. We introduced it this morning and I told a joke just to kind of get everybody on the same page. Anybody, Anybody know what the distance is from the earth to the sun? Nobody looked it up. 93 million miles. Did you just, are you just making that up? Something like that. It's like 238 million. So 98 is close. 230. I looked it up. Maybe Lord Google was wrong, but anyway, 238 is what it said. But, uh, I was hoping somebody would give me $5 if you didn't know the answer. But anyway, uh, told the, told the little joke just to kind of get people on the, uh, on with me. But, um, anytime you talk about the subject of money, you know, people, a lot of times will get tense and, and, uh, like I said this morning, it's something we ought not do. It's not good for us. It's important. We resist the spirit of this age and not let those things influence us in any single way. You know, Amy read the, or mentioned the scripture this morning during the offering about uh, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. I love the Amplified, that it says that you, you renew your mind by its new ideals and new attitudes. And a lot of times, attitudes are the things that drive us and want to take control of our life. There's a new ideal, which new standards and new attitudes we're to live by. And that's the attitude and the standard of the word. Amen. And just because other people look at things one way doesn't mean we've got to look at it that way. We, we get a choice and a chance to look at the subject of finances and money through God's eyes, through God's lens, how he sees things. And I tell you what, it'll set you free. I said this morning, I believe that, that this gospel to the poor is a transformative gospel. It'll change your life. I say that it'll change your life. You know, I mentioned uh, Kendra this morning, just was recant, recalling to me this week just where she came from and what God had done for her. Did I get all the details right pretty much this morning? I tell you, we can probably go around the room and a lot of people can testify of what God has done in their life in the area of finances. You know, I was thinking the, the today about Stephen. You know, even sometimes, you, 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 you know, he's talked about this before. You, you get yourself into a mess, make some bad decisions. Well, the power of the gospel will transform even when you make a blunder. Real quick, why don't you tell us about that? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, Aplex, yeah. 
the the infamous eightplex. Uh, yeah, I, I've uh, those. You might know that I um, like to invest in real estate, and which is can be a blessing and and um, in a lot of ways. But uh, back uh, about two thousand six or seven, I um, got anyone ever gotten into pride about money? Yeah, well, I was young, dumb, and uh, <laughs> and got into pride about money, uh, and I decided to bite off more than I could chew and bought a property that the Holy Ghost and my wife tried to warn me not to. And um, anyway, so, but, you know, how many know your your faith will work even sometimes in an area where uh, God's not even necessarily want something for you? He's trying to warn you against it, but if you're working your faith and say, I kept saying, this property's going to close, this is going to go through, <laughs> I'm going to have this property. Yeah. And my faith worked. I got the property, the deal got done. Uh, and then about two weeks into owning the property, I realized it was a nightmare. And it began sucking finances out of me. It wasn't a blessing. Every other property before that I had purchased had been a blessing to us. And this one was not. And um, anyways, it began uh, sucking every bit of our savings and and it became kind of a nightmare situation where i was like i've got to get rid of this property or we're gonna we're gonna start having to go under you know and um how many know that's a good time to call on the lord um i had already asked for forgiveness for purchasing the property out of his will and from both the lord and my wife and um and uh anyways i began to thank the lord for um for him to to show up and and um, and uh, you know, like Brother Steve said, that property was talking to me every day. I'd get home, you know, when you're busy, sometimes it's it's easy to ignore things. But then you, I'd walk home in the stillness. We didn't have kids there then, or maybe we did. I don't think we did yet. Um, we didn't have kids yet, so the house was still and quiet when you got home. I remember those days. Hallelujah. Um, and uh, I'd get get home, and in the stillness and the quietness that fear would try to climb up on my back. And, mm-hmm. and I remember I'd have to say, no, I'm not going to give in to this fear. Lord, forgive me. The Lord forgave me, and I know that this battle is now his, not mine. And I began to shout and rejoice and do whatever I needed to do to get that fear off of me. But long story short, um, after some months of standing and, and um, rejoicing, uh, one day I was on my way to prayer, which is a, was a good direction to be in, um, and uh, the guy who I bought the property from called me and said, you know what, um, I feel like uh, I need to buy this property back from you and turn it into a, um, a homeless shelter. And he's like, would you be willing to, to, give it, to let me get it back? And I'm like, yes, I would. <laughs> when and where and how. And so the Lord delivered me even in the middle of making a mistake and making the wrong decision on a property. The Lord came through in a mighty way and, and delivered us. And, and he since has turned everything around because he's good and faithful. Yeah. Amen. See, the principles of the things we've been talking about, they will change your life. Even if you get yourself into trouble, the, the God can get you out. You know, and we learn from these things. But, you know, during that whole time, I remember Stephen's confession was really strong. He continued to do what the Bible said, to sow, to tithe, to do all of those things. The gospel to the poor redeemed that situation and saved him from that situation. And, you know, it'll do the same thing for you. Amen. You know, the, tonight, uh, I was, as we were in, in worship, I was just talking to, just real quick, talking to the Lord. And uh, I was reminded of, uh, there was a, a man by the name of Abner Yoder, 
um, that uh, has been a real blessing. He was one of Brother Hagen's board members. And uh, one of the major supporters of Kenneth Hagin Ministries, did a lot for Kenneth Hagin Ministries. And in fact, a lot of the big ministries, I say big ministries, uh, Word of Faith Ministries in our camp, you know, uh, he was very instrumental in funding and supporting uh, these different ministries. And this man started off as a, uh, a very, uh, very low-income family, a uh, uh, Amish family, and uh, didn't have a lot of money, didn't have a lot of opportunities, didn't have a lot of resources, really looked very bleak for him. Well, he ended up getting born again and getting a hold of some of these truths, the gospel to the poor, gets a, got a hold of these things, and God began to bless him, God began to prosper him. And uh, he became one of the largest, he came, became Brother Hagin's largest supporter uh, in their ministry they had for a long period of time, years and years and years. And I know uh, Randy Greer, he's one of, was one of Randy Greer's big ministries. Well, he's gone on home to be with the Lord. And uh, in his absence, being since he's been gone, he set up a foundation when he left. And even in his death, he's still a very, very, very large contributor to the gospel on this planet. And he's not even here anymore. So God took him from a situation where he didn't have anything, couldn't rub two nickels together, didn't, his family didn't know what he was doing, didn't agree with what he was doing. He got a hold of the gospel to the poor that Jesus preached and began to, to put these things into practice. God promoted him, and he's in heaven now, and he's still, still financially influencing the earth today. Every single month, money's going out to ministries all over the country and the world from Abner Yoder. That's the gospel of the gospel to the poor. It'll do the same thing for you and me. And I, mentioned, I had said this to Amy the other day. We were in the car, and, and uh, I think it was you I was talking to. And I was just, we were driving. I, I was like, Lord, we, I, I want an Abner Yoder. I want us to have an Abner Yoder here at Impact Family Church. We have a big vision. There are things God is calling us to do, things that he's wanting us to do. And sitting right there tonight, the Lord said, I want to raise up Abner Yoders out of the people who are already here. I I didn't make that up. The Lord said that to me. I want to raise up Abner Yoders out of the people sitting in this church. The gospel to the poor is transformative. It'll change your life. I'm excited about your excitement about that, you know. God wants to do this in our lives. Now, there's other things involved. We have to learn to be led by the Spirit of God, something we can talk about at some time. But, you know, God ha- God's ability to change our financial situation is not limited by anything other than our willingness to obey and do what he said to do. Amen? I believe God wants to change lives. And I believe this is the time for the church to rise to the top and to be the people of God that he's called us to be. Amen? I believe we're going to have some of these folks just like that in this room. Praise God. So we've been talking this morning about, you know, the, the money matters. We looked at the importance of money naturally. We looked at some of the different um, uh, statistics and things that uh, people are facing, causes of worry and concern. And you can go back and look at that and, uh, and look at some, listen to the, some of those things. But go with me to Luke chapter 4. Let's read this together. Luke 4. We'll be in the uh, 16th verse. We read this this morning. And I don't want to take a lot of time tonight, but I want to just hit a few things I believe will be a help to us. But I read this this morning, and this is something we need to be uh, firmly established in. Uh, Culture, world culture, even church culture would not agree with this, but we want to agree with what the Bible says. But in Luke chapter 4, verse 16, this is when Jesus came to Nazareth. He came into uh, into the temple and read, verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. We read that, read that this morning. And I'd said, you know, something that I hadn't really, really registered on me that yes, he wanted to do all these other things. He was specifically anointed by God to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captive, all of those things. But he was also specifically anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. And that word poor is actually de- uh, uh, destitute, beggarly, those who are, who are financially lacking in this world. There's a gospel for you and I. Amy had actually said that uh, the first time Nancy Dufresne came, she said the same very thing. And I guess it just slipped, went, went right past me. She said that the gospel, what is the gospel to the poor? The gospel to the poor is you don't have to be poor anymore. That's the gospel to the poor. Well, the same, same gospel applies. And so we know that it's important on earthly terms, but it's important to, to God. It was one of the ministries. It was one of the things that Jesus himself was declaring the gospel to the poor. We need to be bold about this. We need to believe it for ourselves, but then also understand what this is. And don't shy away from people's criticism, but boldly declare the word and let it work in your life. Amen. God has a plan for us. Amen. And so there was different things uh, I wanted to look at, too. Some of the things, the importance of, of, the, of, the, of money to the kingdom of God. Go with me to Romans chapter 5. Romans, the fifth chapter, just some things that I know you are aware of, but uh, I want to look at them again and, and uh, spend a few minutes here. Romans chapter five, talking about things, uh, the importance of money, actual, the important money matters, important to the kingdom of God. But in Romans chapter five, verse 17, it says, for if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. That's Zoe having the life of God through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all, resulting in con- condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. So we know in the death, burial, and resurrection, the first thing that Jesus accomplished was our redemption. We were made right. We're talking about the importance of the fact that money matters in the church. Money matters to God. Well, God, through the the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, has purchased back our freedom and provided redemption for us. Don't you think that's that's one of the goals of of what Jesus did on the cross? Well, in 1 Peter 2.24, it says, speaking of Jesus, who himself uh, bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Right? We believe that part of uh, what Jesus accomplished on the cross was for our health and healing. And we rejoice about that. Do we shy away from telling people that God wants you to be saved? Does God want you to be healed? We don't shy away from those things, do we? If somebody were to challenge this, God's will, God's not interested in you being healthy, we would say, that's not right at all. Why? His, he was beaten. He paid the price for all of our sickness and disease. We wouldn't stand for it. Well, what about finances? What about in the area uh, uh, where money is concerned, resources is concerned? The, in the same act where he purchased our freedom from hell, from death, the same place he purchased our freedom from sickness and disease, he purchased our freedom from poverty and lack. It wasn't an afterthought. It was a part of why he came. Go with me over to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 
2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter, and we'll look at the 9th verse. Like I said, these are things that we know, but we need to stir ourselves up in these things, not just for our own sake, but for those who would question or when uh, uh, these thoughts or ideas that there's something wrong with us being blessed come our way, and they'll come, that we have an answer for it. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the ninth verse, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. Why? That you through his poverty might become what? Rich. Jesus did this. He became poor. He did this intentionally, allowed poverty to come into his life. He did it intentionally so that you could have something. You could become rich. That, that's an amazing fact. But I said this morning that we have to walk, it, there's a part of walking worthy of the Lord. I want to walk worthy of redemption. I want to walk worthy of what he's provided for in healing. I also want to walk worthy what he's provided for in the area of resources as well. Right, when we're talking about healing, I said that, you know, God uh, doesn't like the, the John G. Lake quote, that he doesn't like crooked legs any more than he likes a crooked heart. He said he came to realize that God doesn't want anybody's body to be uh, physically uh, uh, wrong, there to be problems in their body, any less than he likes a person's spirit to be wrong. Do you realize he has this, he doesn't want your bank accounts to be wrong either. He is equally as concerned that your finances reflect heaven, your finances reflect what he has. He is just as concerned about that as he is also about healing and salvation. This is a big deal to him. I tell you, the enemy wants to make us think there's something wrong with being prosperous and to keep us quiet so we don't talk about it, so we don't believe for it, so we don't boldly proclaim it, so we're ashamed that someone might know. He wants to keep us down. It's important to heaven money matters in the kingdom of God. Money matters in the kingdom of God. And so, you know, does God need our money? Does God need our money? More importantly, does God need your money? Now, some of you are like, oh, now he's starting to meddle in my money. I don't know if I want to hear this. Does God need your money? Well, there, there, it's a yes and a no. Go with me over to Mark chapter 16. Mark the 16th chapter. And uh, I saw some people shaking their heads different directions, some kind of going all around. I'm going to cover the yes and the no. I'm not sure. But really, the answer is yes and no. Does God need your money? Yes and no. In Mark chapter 16, We have the great commission here in the 15th verse. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved and he who does not believe will be condemned. Matthew 26, you remember when Jesus talking about the last days, he said this gospel will be preached around the world and the end will come. Does God need our money? Well, yes, to preach the gospel, it's gonna require a lot of finances to do that. You know, we've done a lot. I think about our trips when we go to Africa. You know, plane tickets to Africa are not cheap. You, you don't, they're not the same price as taking a, a commuter flight to Atlanta or something or even flying across California. It's a, it's a much larger deal. An international flight's a much larger deal. Well, that takes money to get there. When we send Christopher Allen, they put on the crusades. Generally, a crusade, even in Africa, costs about $20,000 to put on a crusade. So it takes finances. So God needs our money. You realize the world, by and large, isn't funding the gospel. That's not the, that's not the usual thing. It's usually the church that's funding the gospel because we've, we've been, we're the ones that have been given the assignment. 
there, uh, a friend of mine told this joke. He was talking about, you know, at the beginning of the year for them about uh, their finances for their church, kind of vision for the church. And he, uh, he told this, this story. Uh, there was this preacher that gets up and he was, he was wanting to inspire his crowd, you know. And he said, uh, he said this church is going to crawl, going to crawl, you know. And so the church member said, amen, pastor, let her crawl. And he said, nope, no, this church isn't going to crawl. This church, this church is going to walk. And the same man in the congregation said, amen, pastor, let her walk. We're going to walk. And he said, nope, we can do better than that. He said, this church, this church is going to run. People are now starting to get excited. Ooh, yeah, we're going to run. And the same man said, yes, pastor, let her run, let her run. He said, no. He said, this church isn't going to run. This church is going to fly. And the man said, woo, pastor, let her fly, let her fly. And he said, he said, if this church is going to fly, it's going to cost, it's going to take some money. And the same man said, let her crawl. <laughs> now, it takes resources for this to happen. It, t- it takes finances for this to happen. The good news is he will fund it, but he funds it through us. Money matters to the kingdom of God. Yes, there are things that can happen that are free. We can pray for free. You don't need to, they didn't take cause any money to pray. You can witness for free. But you know, if we're going to really get out there and accomplish what God wants us to do, it's going to take resources. I don't know about you, I want to be the one God uses to get the resources out there. And really it comes down to that. Do you want to be used by God? Do you want to, do you have the same values that God has? Do you value what he values? And if you do, God will use you. He'll get it. He'll get it to you. Amen. You know, it was uh, brother Hagen in his book. I've, I've uh, uh, was reading how God, the book about how God taught me about prosperity. If you've not read it recently, read it again. I've read it a lot, many times throughout this year. I've been reading it, been going over, uh, over and over on the book. But he was talking to the Lord about various things, and, and Brother Hagen was in a was in a bad spot financially, and and uh, there were problems going on. And so the and the Lord uh, talked to Brother Hagen. I'm going to read this to you. Um, he said, "The Lord said, now the world can build a dance hall, a honky tonk, a beer joint, or a theater. A theater. Do we have honky tonks anymore? I'm not even sure what that is. But uh, can build a, a dance hall, a honky tonk, a beer joint, or a theater. Put neon lights all over the front of it. Dress it up nicely." But if you want to dress up the church, people say, oh, no. He said, I expect my people to have the best place to meet in town. You know, that's the will of God. So that's the will of God. If you look in the Old Testament, the temple was not a, a, a shabby place. Now, they might have put animal skins on the outside when they were in the wilderness. They might have put animal skins on the outside so that other nations and people didn't know what what it was. But if you went past the animal skins, there was gold everywhere. And nobody thought that was weird. It's where God resided. Well, this is where the people of God gather. God wants us to have the very best. It's not about just having status, but there are, if we're going to present the gospel well, it takes resources to do that. So money matters to the kingdom of God. And so God will needs our money. And if that offends you, I'm sorry, but I, I don't know how else it, the children of Israel funded the temple. David funded the temple. Solomon funded the temple. That's where it came from. They, they, they obeyed God. They did what the Lord told them to do and they funded the temple. You know, I think Solomon ended up, ended up pretty well in the end. Well, maybe his own personal life wasn't great, but financially, he ended up very well. 
He ended up doing really, really well. Listen, God will always take care of you. So does God need our money? Yes, he does. But on the other side, does, does God need your money? No, he needs your heart more than he wants your money. He wants your heart more than he wants your money. And if, when there is resistance in us, like, yeah, don't, don't try to preach something. Like, like I said this morning, I'm not trying to preach any money out of anybody's pocket. But when there's a resistance to this, then, then there's a heart issue. There's a heart issue that's there. And we need to make sure that we are uh, uh, watching out for this and being careful that we um, don't yield to the course of this world. You know, Martin Luther said this. He said there are three conversions necessary, the conversion of the heart, mind, and the purse. There are three conversions that are necessary. Everybody knows, everybody agrees with the conversion of the heart. Everybody knows the conversion of the mind, the renewal of the mind. He also said the conversion of the purse. So you might say, well, I'm a guy, I don't have a purse, I'm off the hook. Well, your wallet then, you, it still qualifies, right? The, the late Billy Graham says, show me your checkbook and I'll show you what you love. He says, show me your checkbook and I'll show you what you love. You know, these things, I know that these things that people, like I said, don't like to talk about, but it's the truth. I tell you, our finances reveal what's important to us. Our finances reveal what, what's important to us. Mark Hankins says, he says, your, your, your giving not only reflects you, it affects you. It does both. It affects and reflects you. So we want to make sure that our heart is right. Our heart is where it needs to be. I want to talk just for, just for a couple minutes about the love of money. Go through back to First uh, Timothy chapter 6. And uh, when we read this scripture this morning. I just want to touch on this for just a moment. Praise God. <laughs> you can, we could spend some more time on this, and maybe we'll come back to it at some point. But it says, the, about, talking about the love of money, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, it says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You know, this is the danger. This is the area where money can be a danger. And I, and I want to bring this up because every one of us are faced with this. Every one of us are faced with these, these things. And we can have a love of money. A person doesn't have to be rich to have a love of money. A person can be poor and yet have a love of money. You do know that, right? And so a love of money is something that we've got to stand guard on. We have to resist that coming into our life. Because if you have a love of money, it'll elevate that to a place where only God should have in your life. And that's dangerous. So I wrote down just a, a few things where uh, uh, the love of money, not an exhausted list, but um, what does a love of money look like? A love of money is trust misplaced. Trust misplaced. Whenever you're, you're giving is depending upon what it looks like. Or your giving is depending upon what you expect to have in the future. That can, that's trust misplaced. In a Mark chapter 10, the 24th verse, uh, the last part of, of the verse, it says, How hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? How hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? And he was talking about the, uh, the rich young ruler. If you remember the, 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 the account of the rich young ruler, this man came to him and said, you know, good teacher, uh, which right away was an indication that there was a problem there. Because he didn't come to Jesus as Messiah or, or Lord. He, he came to him as good teacher, meaning you've got some good things to say, but I'm not exactly submitted to you. 
And he said, you know, what does it take for me to enter into the kingdom of heaven? I've done all, all the commandments. I've, come, I've kept all of these things. I've done all these things. And Jesus said, this one thing you lack, sell all that you have, give it to the poor. He said, this is what you have to do. And the man left. He was, he was brokenhearted. He was, he was distressed because he had great possessions. That is, that is a misplaced trust. So that's a misplaced trust. You know, this man obviously, had, had he done what Jesus said, of course, I believe that the man had gotten willing to do it, the Lord probably wouldn't have even asked him to do it. Had he just been willing to give away everything, you know, he's not asking us to give everything we have. He's not asking you to give everything, but even if, if, if the man had gotten willing, this young man had gotten willing, the Lord probably would have said, that's all right, but he would have known his heart if he had made that change. But even if he had given everything, the Bible also tells us that no one who has forsaken houses and lands for the sake of the gospel won't be rewarded a hundredfold in this life and the life which is to come, eternal life. And so a love of money will cause us to put our trust, how are we going to respond to God? What are we going to do based upon dollars and not based upon the promptings and leadings of the Lord? So misplaced trust. When people love money, whether they have, uh, when people's money, whether they have a lot or a little, affects how they, they're seen. When you are look at somebody and if they have a lot and if it causes you to be irritated because they have a lot more than you, you might have a love of money. And I'm being nice. You, it's not that you might have a love of money. You have a love of money. Right? Or if somebody doesn't have what you have, you look at them differently. That's a love of money. See, these are things because we value things, especially in Western culture, we value things and place importance upon people based upon things that are completely unscriptural. Things that are not right, things that are completely inappropriate. This person's got a lot, I'm gonna spend extra time talking to them. Why? Because you hope if you do, they might give you some of it. Right? That's what, that's, what, that's what people are thinking, you know. Maybe they'll put me in contact with somebody, their investor they know or whatever it is, you know. And so that's a, that's a love of money. We need to be careful about those things. Go read James chapter 2. Read James chapter 2. Uh, the, the, uh, the brother of Jesus dealt with it very strongly. It was a very strong word that he gave the church about giving preference to those who have a lot of money and making those who don't have money sit in the side, Right? And so it goes both ways. Those who have, those who don't have, it could be a sign of a love of money. A love of money can even be when money drives your decisions. Now I'm just saying these things because we've got to uh, analyze them in our own life. If we're doing some of these things, get rid of this so that God can bless us. I've said this before, you know, if, if, you, if you drive across town just to get a, a few cent cheaper gas, you might have a love of money. If you go out to eat and you order based on what's the cheapest, you might have a love of money versus what you want. I don't know if I agree with that, Pastor Greg. If money is the determining factor, if money is selling what you should do or what you could do, you might have a love of money. Now, I'm not saying you don't live on a budget. We have a budget. You should live on a budget. Other side is you don't want to spend above your means. It's kind of like exercising. You can't out-exercise a bad diet. You can't out-believe for bad spending habits, right? I mean, if you, it, we live in a culture that there's so many things around us. If you just spend, 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 you're, you're going you're gonna to go broke. Even Elon Musk trying to buy Twitter right now, there is a price on that, and it's costing him dearly, you know? No matter how much money you've got, there's always something else you're wanting to buy. But if, but if money is the determining factor of everything you do, 
Not ch- now the Lord may lead you to do this or do that. This fits the budget better. This doesn't, you know, you have to be where, live where you are. But I'm saying across the board, just a g- general approach to life, that everything's based on how much money you have. I never buy anything. You might say, I never buy anything if it's not on sale. Some people do that. I won't buy anything unless it's on sale. I see some Snickers around the room, you know. I, 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 and people pride themselves. I won't buy anything. Now, I like a good deal. Huh? Yes, Steve said, yes, you do. I do. I like a good deal. I'll tell you, when we take these trips, you know, to Africa, I mean, I, I, I price them out. I'm, 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 I'm negotiating. I'm doing the work for, you know, uh, Delta Airlines. I'm finding all the flights. I'm doing all the stuff that I, I, we get a good deal on it, but we're still going to go. Either way, we're going to do it. But there's some people that they won't do anything unless it's on sale. Well, you, you need to check your heart. That's a good thing to do. Amy and I have been looking for a, a patio furniture for our house for ever, it seems like, last couple years. And, and we found a great deal when we were in Orlando last week. And, and man, that we were blessed. I mean, that, it, it, it blessed our socks up, and it was exactly what we wanted, and we paid half price for it, you know? But we went with the understanding, if we find what we want, we're just going to buy it. We're just going to buy it. If it's what we want, we're just going to buy it because God wants us to have what we want, so we're just going to do it. I'm just talking about little adjustments we need to make in how we see things. May seem small, but they're big things. We don't want to have money because here's the thing. If that's how we approach things, there are going to be times when the Lord wants you to do something and it doesn't line up with, with how you approach life, right? It doesn't line up with, your, with, with the mentality that I will only order this on the menu, Right? Or I only will do this. It'll, it'll not line up. And God will challenge you at times. We've had the Lord different times challenge us to step out and do things that, man, he was outside our norm. I never, never forget when we bought the house that we're in now. Uh, uh, it was outside of our comfort zone when we did it. It was way outside of our comfort zone. And yet the Lord instructed us to do it. When you hear from the Lord, then you just obey. We had people tell us, well, you've ruined your family. You, you've just had it. You've just, you know, people that we knew, we loved at church, like, you know, you've done it now. You, you've, you've ruined your family. You know, you're, you're going to, you're basically, your world's falling apart. Oh, thanks for the encouragement. You know, we were so excited about that. But, you know, the Lord had told us to buy the house. We did it. And then naturally, it made no sense, but we obeyed God. Now, if the Lord doesn't tell you to do it, it can, call, it can be a mess, Right? There are things that he wants to advance us in. We've got to be open to going against what makes sense in what the natural world would tell us to do. Amen? And so love of money is something we need to make sure we are avoiding and we're, we're watching out for. Uh, I want to look at, let me see, I'm trying to go quick here and, and touch, touch on a few things. Reasons why we give. Reasons why we give. Talk about uh, uh, some 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 money matters and some issues here about the importance of money. But we have to make sure we're giving for the right reason. That we're not doing things the wrong way. We we want to walk in the blessing that the Lord has for us. Go to Second Corinthians chapter nine. I know this is a verse we might have heard around here a few times. Second uh, Corinthians chapter nine in the sixth verse. says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a what? Cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. He doesn't love a resentful giver. He loves a cheerful giver. I'm just covering a few things that will help you. 
Brother Hagen, the Lord had dealt with him about having a bad attitude, having some wrong opinions about money, about finances, about what was right for a preacher to have. And he was living well below with what God had, tell, had told him to do. And he had a bad attitude, had a wrong opinion of some things. And he said when the Lord dealt with him, he made a quick adjustment. He just said, you know, the, the, basically the Lord had talked to him about, you know, he was, uh, the Lord had called him to go out into the ministry, had left the church, had a church that was paying very well, had a great salary. Uh, they were paying for the parsonage and the, and the utilities and all of these things. Well, the Lord called them onto the road and they had none of those things. And their income was much less than it was when we were at the church and they're paying all of their own bills. And so Brother Hagin's going and they're preaching and they're ministering here and driving everywhere and, and, and the, the car was talking to him, the tires were bald. I mean, life just wasn't going well. And he, he went to the Lord in frustration. He said, I'm doing all of this. He said, my kids aren't clothed, my kids aren't eating right, and my car's breaking down, my clothes are worn out. And he said, what's going on? And, and, and the Lord said, well, because you don't qualify to be blessed. And he took him to Isaiah and he said, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. If you're, he said, you're being obedient, but you're not willing. That's a heart issue where it came to service. And so Brother Hagin said he just got willing to do what the Lord asked him. Well, when it comes to our giving, if we're tempted to have a bad attitude and we're giving, you can just make an adjustment and not have a bad attitude about it. It's a privilege to be able to give. I said, it's a privilege to be able to give. But if you give out of a sense of obligation, if, if our giving, our tithes and our offerings is like paying a bill, if we view it as paying a bill, and that you, then you might, have a, you might have a love of money issue there going on. But at the same time, we're viewing it wrong. And we need to make that simple heart adjustment. It's a privilege to be able to give. You can get happy in your giving. Amen? Uh, one of the other things that reasons people give is out of obligation. We kind of just talked about that. But also the other one of the other things is to be seen by men. Our giving, we need to make sure we're not giving to be seen by others. Matthew chapter 6, the first verse, I'll go ahead and read it. Matthew 6 verse 1. It says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before, uh, before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who is in secret will reward you openly." Now, he's talking here about giving to the poor, doing charity, uh, charitable deeds, donation of philanthropy. He's talking about that, but the principle applies. Because later in the verse, he was talking about those who, who, who uh, uh, fast and they make, they crinkle their face and they, they look really pit, pitiful, you know, like, so everyone will know they're fasting. And he said, well, if you do that, you have your reward. Our giving, it's not that we don't want people to know that we give, not that we're trying to hide these things, but our intention shouldn't be so people know we did something. We want to make sure we don't, we don't try to make something out of it. It'll, that'll be our reward if we do that. You know, one of the things we have here around here is we have requirements to serve at the church. I have a, a thing that we say at home with our family that you need to have some skin in the game. You have to have some skin in the game in, in order to appreciate something and to get all you, you need out of it and, and be who God has called you to be. You know, when it's whether going to camp, we want our kids to put some money towards camp. I want them to have some skin in the game. Well, we have requirements here, but if you give only so you can serve then you're not going to receive a blessing on your giving. You're just going to be able to serve. Yeah. 
Just little adjustments we can make, little things that we can do. No, we want to make sure that we can, that we, we also don't want to just give so we can get, which that's a good reason to give is to get, but it shouldn't be our soul, our soul motivation to give. We need to give because we love God. Amen. We need to give because we love God. Now, the one last thing I wanted to end with tonight and, and uh, other things we'll talk about another time. Uh, this is something that uh, uh, Randy Greer had talked about in both times we were in, ja- uh, in, in, in uh, Panama City or Pensacola and in uh, Gatlinburg. He, he talked a lot about the fact that this year in 2022 that God wants to bless people. And I believe it was for the church. And he brought up this book, uh, how, to, how, the, how God Taught Me About Prosperity, uh, Brother Hagin's book. And he, he said in this book, he's been reading it. The Lord had directed him back to this. And, and I felt impressed. We need to, to just talk about a few of these things. Here are four things to do to prosper. And this applies to the person who's a tither. Now, obviously, tithing and giving is one thing but uh, is necessary. But if you're a tither, if you're a giver, I want to give you four principles here. The Lord had dealt with Brother Hagin about not praying about finances the way he had been praying about finances. People want to make a, you know, cry about it and bawl and squall. He said, you know, he, he was raised in an environment where, where people never had enough. They were always barely getting along and bills would come due and, and seasons would come along and they would just go to God in desperation. It's good to go to God when you're desperate, but when he gives you his word, we ought to go into him in faith. And people would go and they'd be desperate and they would just, oh God, do something, do something. And he said the Lord would have pity on them and he would meet their needs. But they never really got above that. They never, they never got beyond that. He said, don't just bawl and squall about these things. Don't just uh, do this. He said, but he said, go to the Lord and claim how much money you need. He said, claim how much money you need. Uh, go with me over to a pro- or Psalms, the 23rd chapter. I want to look at this, Psalms 23. One of the things that, that uh, uh, he talked to Brother Hagin about is even expanding what he's asking for and the things that he was believing for. So in the 23rd Psalm, uh, we have uh, uh, passages here that, that we know really well. Um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord began to deal with him that he wanted to provide more than just his needs. He wanted to provide Brother Hagin's wants as well. And he said, don't bawl and squall about what you need, but go to, come to me and claim how much money you're needing, the, thing, the finances that you're needing. You know, God wants to meet not just your needs, but he wants to meet your desires as well. He said he wants to meet your desires as well. One of the scriptures, uh, Psalms 37, that Amy and I have always liked is delight yourself also in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Well, you can have a list of things that you're desiring, the things that you're wanting to do. Well, you need to claim those things. You need to claim what you're wanting from the Lord. Claim those things. Not, not, not beg God for it, but claim what belongs to you. You, know, you realize you don't have to ask God to heal you. You claim your healing. Right? Because if we know the scriptures, it's by his stripes we were what? We were healed. Past tense, it's already taken place. So we just claim our healing. Well, just like we, 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 we've read already, he, he provided healing. He's already provided your answer for poverty as well. Claim what you need financially. Claim whatever it is, whatever amount it is you're needing in your life. He said, step three, he said, command Satan to take the hands or his hands off the money or the amount you need or desire. Command Satan to take his hands off, off your money. 
Now, we know the scriptures, whatever you bind on earth, we bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, we loose in heaven. You realize the enemy is controlling the finances and resources of this world. He has great influence in what's happening on the planet. He, he's, overall, he's controlling th- these things. Well, we need to tell him to take his hand off of our finances. You have to command him to do this and, and put the devil in his place and tell him what you expect him to do. Then number four, he said, send the angels out ministering spirits and cause income, the finances to come. You know, we pray over the offering. We pray, we pray that way every single Sunday. You know, send ministering spirits out, cause increase, cause it, cause it to come. Go with me to Hebrews chapter one. This will be our last verse we read tonight. Hebrews, the first chapter. And uh, 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 speaking about angels and ministering spirits. And this is something that, that I, I've known and known for a long time, but it really has stirred me up. And we've been doing this a lot. Amy and I have been doing this a lot. But Hebrews chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, it says, But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? And are they not all ministering spirits sent forth for those who will inherit salvation? Are they not all ministering spirits, spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation. These spirits are, these, these angels have been sent to us to, to minister on our behalf. Brother Hagin uh, uh, made it or compared it to when you go to a restaurant and you have a server. Someone who's, who's waiting on you, their server. If you don't tell the server what you want, you're not going to get anything. Right? I mean, they come to your table. They're standing around. They're milling around the restaurant. If it's a good server, they're, sta- they're milling around the restaurant. They're keeping their eye out for you, looking to, do you need anything? Do you want anything? And you, all you have to do is just get their attention, tell them what you want, and then they go do it. They bring it to you. We've got to get our angels busy bringing money in. We have to get our angels busy bringing resources into our life. They're standing around waiting for us to give them commands. They're ministering spirits sent to minister for us and to minister to us to bring these things into our life. We've got to send them out to do these things. And so we want to make sure we're not praying the same way. We're, we're or not, not whining to the Lord about it. We claim the amounts that we need. Tell Satan to take his hands off our finances and tell our ministering spirits to go out and cause the increase to come. Amen? So we're going to end with that. But I tell you, those things right there, Amy and I, there are things that we've been believing God for. We've picked amounts of money that we're just confessing. We're calling it in in the name of Jesus. We're, and, and he also said every time you think about it, just, can, just thank the Lord. Just begin to thank God that the angels are working. The money's coming in. Amen. God wants us blessed. He wants us prosperous. I challenge you. I challenge you to get aggressive in your faith where finances are concerned. This week, start making a list of things that you need. Make a list of things that you're, that you're wanting to happen in your life. Start where you are. I won't say start believing God for a million dollars. Start where you're at. One of the things that, that Randy had, had, had led us in a confession, he said, uh, he said that, you know, I'm out of debt. Everybody needs to confess every day they're out of debt. He said, confess every day that you've got hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank. You might say, well, that's too much for me. Confess you've got thousands of dollars in the bank. He, can, can y'all do that? Confess you have thousands of dollars in the bank. He said, confess you have all the money you need to buy whatever you want, need, or desire. Just say, I have all the money I need to buy whatever I want, need, or desire, right? He said, begin to speak these things over yourself. Pastor Thomas, speak in the rhema, speak in the the word of your life. Speak it over your finances. God wants you blessed. He wants you prosperous. Amen. 
I want God to do what he wants to do in my life. Amen. I want to walk in the fullness of it. I want to have everything he's provided for me. Amen. Well, let's stand. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you, Lord, that we are blessed. Hallelujah. We are a blessed people in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for helping us see the importance of finances, see the importance of finances in your kingdom. And Lord, begin to get a heart for what you want for us. Father, we're so grateful, Lord, for opening our eyes, helping us to see what we need to see. Father, we agree together that every need of this church is met in the name of Jesus. We agree together that every need of every giver, every tither, every child of God is met in the name of Jesus. Father, this year, this year we will prosper. This year we will rise to the top no matter what's going on. We are a blessed people. Hallelujah. And it'll be a testimony to you and to your goodness. Father, we love you. We thank you for it. Give you all the thanks and praise in the mighty and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.